the vendor can put on a very good presentation and maybe it's good for a very specific thing. But again, just being conscious that you do need to guide the conversation in a way um, where people don't get distracted by the bells and the whistles. And Hello, welcome and thank you for tuning into Channel Voices, the podcast for future channel leaders where we learn the ins and outs of partner ecosystems through casual conversations with channel professionals from a variety of industries, partner types and geographies. My name is Maciek and I'm your host. Maeve O'Connell, welcome to Channel Voices. Thanks Maciek, glad to be here. Excellent. Maeve, um, people will see, obviously, the audience listening to this now, they have clicked into it because they've seen the title of um, of this episode, The Challenges of Choosing and Configuring Partner Systems. Now, this is such a broad and detailed type of subject. So maybe before we even get into um, the first question around this, could you maybe tell us what is it that you do day to day? What is um, what is your job? So I work for a company called Nuix. Um, we're an enterprise software company. Uh, basically, we're uh, an intelligence and analytics uh, company. So our software helps people. What we like to say is find truth in, in, in the digital world. Um, so a lot of our customers are, we have a lot of kind of public sector, so law enforcement, government customers kind of going into corporates. Um, we work a lot with e-discovery as well. Um, so from a day-to-day point of view, we have a relatively large, of course, depending on the size of company you're talking about, we have almost 200 partners um, across, a, across a, a wide variety of areas. So we have partners, anything from the size of, you know, one or two people to thousands. So we have quite a, a varied spectrum of partners that we interact with so specifically for what i do i look after the programs and operations side of things and um, so i'm responsible for all the processes that we use to manage and interact with those partners the structures that we put around um the different stages of the journey of their journey with us and then kind of encompassing that as well as all the systems that we use to support them on that journey so um my day-to-day can be pretty varied at the moment, I'm very involved in, in organizing some sales training for partners, which is coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, so that's quite time consuming. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of a, gen- a general overview of what I do. Excellent. And I think that it's a really good segue into the partner systems, right? You said, you know, 200 partners um, in various regions. You have them in different um in different segments where they uh, where they play with you as a vendor and as a vendor you have to serve them up with something right and managing partners on on spreadsheets um on email with you know supplying um collateral via email i mean that's that's the thing of the past so when vendors start planning the kind of digitizing their their channel offering where do they start in terms of, you know, am I going to build this? Am I going to buy something? If so, what do I do? How do I, how do I go about it as a vendor once I have that thought that I cannot manage this manually anymore? I need some kind of system. Yeah, I guess, well, there's a few things that pop into my mind. I suppose the first thing that I would 
think of, um, and it's probably true for most organizations who work with partners, is they probably already have systems that partners use to interact with us, right? So the first thing I'd probably do is kind of do a level set of what those systems actually are um, and how we're actually using them to better support the program, right? Because typically, you know, I'll just think of my company, you know, we have, we already have um, a learning management system, for example, um, partners interact with us and that way we have, you know, a download, a download portal where they download the software, you know, what does that look like? They probably have access to support systems and, um, you know, we use ServiceNow, for example, so they have access to that. So I suppose that's the first thing, just as, just as to bear in mind the interactions the partners already have um, with the existing systems and, you know, just think about how that actually works. Um, the other thing then, I suppose, when it comes to level setting is thinking about how our own internal systems are set up to manage partners. So, you know, most companies will have some kind of CRM, um, be that Salesforce or what have you. So what can we do within Salesforce that can help us, you know, manage the program better? Do we need to structure it differently? Is there different reports that we can get out? You know, do we need to think about using it in a different way? So that's probably the first thing I would think about. Um, then the other, I suppose the other obvious things would be, you know, what's the budget? So if you are going to invest in a partner system, you know, how much money do you have to spend? You know, who's responsible for upkeep and management of the system as well? Because that is quite a big thing. Um, you know, who else within the organization is going to need to, to buy into the idea? So if you are going to be buying a new system and bringing something in, there's going to be some kind of integration. You're probably going to need a few different stakeholders to buy into the idea to help you support that as well. Uh, then I suppose the the more program specific stuff, you know, understanding the types of partners you have and the supports they actually need. Um, and as well, the different mix of partners that you have and how they might differ for your company. So just really getting a feel for what it is you actually want to do, because I think a lot of companies will tend to make the mistake at the beginning of thinking that a system is going to manage their program for them, whereas really what a system is, is used to support their existing program. So you can't expect to bring in something um, and for it to make a massive change unless you have the thought and the time and the effort put into the back end to understand what it is exactly um, that that system is going to be supporting. Perfect. And typically, who would be involved within, within a vendor organization to bring something like that in? You mentioned integrations obviously IT will have to be involved but when I'm thinking about this so sales would have to get involved operations obviously IT marketing anybody else I'm missing um, well for us I suppose other than the people that you've mentioned you know learning and development team are a big stakeholder because anything to do with training and enablement you know they have um they have involvement in a very large involvement um so they would be another stakeholder. And I think specifically to do with learning and development, so that's an interesting one because, you know, the partner portal can be used to manage certain elements of a partner's enablement journey, but then, you know, certain elements are going to be stored within the company's academy as well. So you need to kind of understand how that is going to look for the partner. You know, are there specific partner pieces that you want to create for them and where do you store them versus what do we store that's shareable with partners and customers and internal employees as well. So, yeah. Okay. And except for, I suppose, the budget and the integrations, what other things would play into making a decision to shortlist a 
um, a list of solutions? Like how would, how would you go about that? So I think the most important thing, you know, and I mentioned it, and I think the answer there to the first question is just let the elements of the program guide you to the systems that you you choose to implement, right? Because there's no point in implementing a system for lead management if you, you know you don't have any leads to share with your partners or that's not a part of the program. You know, if the expectation isn't there, no matter how good the system is, it's not really going to work for you, right? So that's the first thing. Um, I think there's probably common elements in every program, but what you need to do for your own setup and for your own company, I think is really understand how the systems need to work for you um, and how you need to be going to market with your partners and all the different nuances that uh, your program has. Um, I think as regards shortlisting, again, I would probably encourage you to engage with as many vendors as possible. Uh, I think some vendors in my experience are better than others at customer success. And I, that's been very valuable to me in my conversations with vendors. So there is definitely an element of um, being able to get information and ideas of best practice and ideas about what other companies are doing when it comes to different elements of programs, you know, from people who are doing it every day and whose job it is to set up these programs in specific ways. So I've certainly learned a lot uh, from my conversations with vendors when it comes to kind of industry best practice and you get a lot of ideas and you know you you realize that sometimes the problems that you have are just solely your own problems that other people have the same problems as well and you know different ideas about how you can go around and fix those things um i think the other thing i'd be mindful of when deciding on shortlisting is so some systems can be very specific on on the things that they do um right and i think sometimes the messaging on the specifics can get lost depending on people who are engaging on the, in the conversation. So that'd be from, you know, your own company side, I suppose is what I'm thinking about. So, you know, you can, you can have people attend, different stakeholders attend, you know, sessions with vendors and the vendor can put on a very good presentation and maybe it's good for a very specific thing. But again, just being conscious that you do need to guide the conversation in a way, um, where people don't get distracted by the bells and the whistles and, you know, people throw phrases out, I think, quite quite often that uh, people will kind of hook on to. Um, but really what you want to get down to is like, you know, what it, be very specific on what it is that, that you want them to do. Okay. So in terms of functionality and supporting supporting the overarching channel program, um, and obviously, programs, channel programs do change as economy changes, as the situation changes, as we have seen last year with the pandemic kicking in. I mean, a lot of companies made changes to to their channel programs yeah. to to support their partners better, to enable them enable them faster, uh, and make sure that they're successful when they go and speak to their customers about your products. So, when in terms of future proofing. Would there be any any specifics that you would be looking for when you're evaluating um, a partner system? I suppose as regards future proofing, I think what you need to bear in mind is having a kind of a forward view of where you want your program to go because I think you always need to be aware, which I think is your point, is that things are going to change, right? So you don't want to be building a system where you know, it becomes... Very, it's only for today. <laughs> it's only for today, yeah. Right? You don't want to be building a system where 
in six months or a year or two years or five years or however many years down the line it is, um, it's very difficult to change, you know, or you end up having to completely rip out the system and go with a big bang approach with a, with a new, with a new, um, with a new vendor, for example. So that's always in the back of my mind as well when I'm having conversations with vendors is, you know, how easy is it to integrate into a system that you already have, for example, or if we wanted to change it, how difficult would that be? Or, you know, how much effort am I going to have to make internally for us as, as a company to kind of put that system in place? Because, you know, that is an effort as well, right? Um, yeah. So I would say probably thinking about the, the, the program in a kind of a medium to long-term view and always bearing that in mind. I think when you're having these outside conversations with vendors is very important um, and not getting too distracted by what you think looks good right now, rather just making sure that you have the basics and building on what those building on the basics then I think is important. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. So say we shortlisted, we shortlisted a solution, couple of solutions. Um, we have now maybe decided of, you know, this is the vendor we're going to go with. Um, it does everything we need today, it integrates with all of our systems. We talked a little bit about the future proofing. If we were to change anything on our existing systems, would the, how would that be in terms of integration? How easy would it be? But then you have to launch it. You go live. You have said it to your partners in your partner's newsletter that on this and this day, we are going to launch the absolutely newest, greatest, best ever system for them. How easy is it to configure a system like this for the go live date? And what does it take to keep it maintained? Um, yeah, it's a difficult question. So I suppose as regards configuring systems, um, there's a couple of things that come to mind. The first thing is, you know, is there customization that your system needs that isn't out of the box. So uh, for us, we, when we, you know, went with a new partner portal a few years ago, we, we actually ended up buying from two different vendors. So there was uh, quite a lot of customization that was involved um, between those two different vendors and our own systems as well. So that was, that could be kind of tricky to navigate as well, because you're having to have those two vendors speak to each other. Um, so that is one thing to bear in mind. I suppose the second thing that comes into my mind is, you know, just the process by which we um, give access to the partners. So do we want to front load all of our existing partners with all of our existing contacts um, and share the information that way? Or do we want them to come to us directly and kind of manage it on a more account by account, partner by partner basis? Um, that can be an interesting question because, you know, the idea of, you know, how clean your data is when it comes to partners kind of comes up then, you know, where you're storing your partner contacts, might you be giving access to somebody you don't want to give access to, you know, do you, I suppose with some, uh, some of our portals, you know, you're, you're asking questions like what partners actually need access to this piece? So do we want to give access to a specific tier or do we want to do it by industry or domain or is there that element that we need to take into consideration so there is quite a lot of planning um, that needs to be done before you go and actually switch it on I guess the the other thing you need to think about is you know your internal stakeholders so 
partners, of course, are going to talk to you, but they have so many other people within your organization who they talk to as well. So you need to make sure all of those people know that this is happening and understood, understand what the process is. If the partner comes to them, you know, tell them this is what we've done. The partner presumably won't understand or <laughs> won't, you know, make the effort to go by the process. So they'll probably just come to you and say, I'm yeah. not sure how to get access. So you'll be dealing with all of those kind of ad hoc questions as well. So just making sure that the internal people are aware that this is happening and you know there isn't a sense of panic that happens then when people come to them with questions as invariably they will um so yeah i think those are probably those are probably the main things um i think as regards you know customization i suppose and configuration i suppose the other thing that pops into my mind is kind of the day-to-day -day changes because i think this there are going to be smaller or bigger changes that you make to the systems that you use to support the partners, right? And some of them might be in line with different programs as you develop different programs. Um, but there's also that idea of maintenance, which is just making sure that the information that is in the system is the most up-to-date. Um, and that can often be quite difficult because for any organization, I suppose at the moment, um, you know, <laughs> managing systems is always a challenge. Uh, so you need to be sure, and it's something that I'm quite conscious of as well, actually, is that the information that we're sharing with our partners is one of the most up-to-date information. And you, you don't want to run the risk of them having a conversation. Like I say, they have so many relationships with the organization. You're having a conversation with somebody else and getting a different message. So that idea of customization and making sure that the portal is up-to-date and constantly kind of moving with what the company message is, is as well is, is actually really important too to bear in mind. Excellent. Thank you. There's one thing you mentioned that um, really got me um, interested in, and I have these type of conversations now and again with, um, with people in my, um, in my role is that, you know, whatever system you deploy, it is not going to fix your data, right? That, that system is being fed data and displays data back right or takes the data and puts it back into your systems so in terms of the readiness of a vendor implementing a partner system data is definitely one thing that they need to make sure is clean or they clean it during the implementation process maybe and fix things but what other aspects or where what other areas do you think a vendor needs to be absolutely ready with before they go and launch a portal, for example? I suppose the, one of the things is the messaging that you're going out to partners with. So how you choose to do that is one thing. You know, are you giving them the message that this is an amazing piece of new software and it's going to revolutionize our partner program and it's going to make us make working with us so much easier? Or do you want to take a softer message? maybe go more gently, gently and kind of let the support kind of build on itself and let the momentum build on itself rather than kind of going full out, um, you know, big change, uh, big improvement. I think that's that's probably one thing that that you need to think about. For, for me, I'm, I never like making grand exclamations or, or grand messages. And so I'd probably work more towards the second one of those because I think you know, there are always going to be teething problems with systems. Um, 
and partners can have more or less expectations on on a system as well. Maybe they've experienced with a lot of different vendor systems, right? So maybe they have ideas on what's good and what's not. But also I think there can be an element um, from partners of making everything you know, easy for them, which of course you want to do, but you also need to be aware that not everything can be delivered through one route, right? So the system is only one way they contact us. They interact with us in so many different ways as well. Um, so I think that's one of the things, the other things that I would probably be conscious of as well. If I, if I was to ask you to describe the perfect fit partner system, how would you describe it? Um, I don't think there is such a thing. <laughs> so uh, generally, I think it's generally accepted that there's no one system that can do everything for your partners, right? Um, I think we've all seen Jay McBain. I know he was a, a guest on one of your previous podcasts. So I think he has about 180 different systems, you know, that he's gathered together as globally. These are the, the these are the, you know, the main systems that people can use to support their channel and 180 is quite a lot right um so i think the my first comment on that is unfortunately there isn't a perfect fit partner system i suppose theoretically the perfect fit would be you know what's helping you support your program as it is right now um bearing in mind that that will always change i don't think you're ever going to reach a point where you never need to make tweaks to the system you know even the most advanced programs for vendors who have, you know, long-standing partner programs or going to want to make changes or try something new, or, you know, even you hear a lot of conversation around simplifying programs. So, you know, sometimes you kind of end up growing a program organically in the systems along with it, and you end up with a really complicated uh, kind of structure around how we manage the partners, you know, so sometimes there's even an element of stripping back on the systems and stripping back on the programs and trying to understand really what it is um, that our partners need. So there, yeah, there isn't such a thing, Matchek, unfortunately, but I think there's a good business opportunity there for somebody. There you go. <laughs> Excellent. And um, thank you very much, Maeve. Um, this was definitely very useful and I learned a lot about how vendors go about um, how vendors go around implementing a partner system to support not only their program and what the vendor wants to get out of it, but also enabling their partners, right? And giving them the tools that they need on a daily basis that they can access at any time. But before, before we finish, I always ask this question every single person on this podcast. What's the one thing you wish you knew before you started your career in channel? Yeah, so it's it's a hard question, actually. I, I was thinking about it this morning before I came on to this, this recording. So I think how varied the area actually is, is something I wasn't aware of, you know, at the kind of the time where I started my career working with partners. Um, there's such a wide variety of skills and knowledge that is needed to support partners. Um, and it's across all elements of the business, really. So, you know, there's obviously the, the relationship management side of things. You know, there's business development. But there's also, and I suppose where I come in, is the operational side as well. So how it is that, um, you know, the I suppose the how behind how we actually manage 
all of the stuff and how this all of this works. I think that's really interesting. And um, there's also like a really wide variety of positions. So you can come in from anything to junior, you can work your way through working up to, you know, some more senior exec levels. Um, but you also have the opportunity, I think, to kind of work across different aspects of, of working with channel partners as well. So, you know, you can move from relationships to more an operational side of things. And it gives you a really good view of, you know, all elements of a business and how a business works, because I think with partners there, I think some people fall into the trap of thinking that they're their own little piece of a business, but in reality, they're just, they span the entire business really. Um, and one of the things I really like about working with partners is, you know, within my own organization, I get to work with pretty much all parts of the organization because the partner program touches all parts of the, the organization, right? So it can be really interesting because you get to learn about a business as a whole, um, as opposed to just learning about your own little piece of it. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you very much. Maeve, um, thank you so much for coming on to Channel Voices podcast. Um, really appreciate you sharing all the knowledge and the, and the know-how when it comes to you know, digitizing the, uh, the partner experience and um, implementing tools like portals and, and, and other tools that partners need access to. Thank you so, so much for being a guest and uh, we hope to get you back on the podcast in some near future to discuss maybe some other subjects. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Magic. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap for this episode. I do hope you found it valuable and if you did, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can also follow Channel Voices podcast on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook. Or just visit channelvoices.com where you can send me a message or leave a voicemail. All of the links are listed in the show notes. And once again, I appreciate you tuning in today. Until next time.